This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. marketers and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to Tracy Gawthorne, Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer for Asia Pacific at Capgemini. Now, 2023 is approaching fast and this year will be a bit different than the previous ones considering the economic conditions, the changes in company structures, redundancies, layoffs in the tech sector specifically and uh, organizations fully coming out of COVID. So I'm super excited to sit down with Tracy to hear her plans for the upcoming year and how she and her team are going to approach this fluid year that uh, we have ahead of us. On that note, let's dive in. Tracy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Shaheen. I'm delighted to be here. Some big topics you put on the table. There. I know. I know. I'm super excited to talk about this. I mean, just like we we said, 2000, 2023 especially in the tech sector, is looking different than it was a year ago, most very different than it was a year ago uh, or two years ago where everything was exploding, everyone was hiring, everything was go, go, go. And now it feels like we've got to sit down and reconsider. We've got to see what happens with the economy and, um, and look at maybe profit instead of growth. What are some of the important factors marketing leader, leaders need to take into consideration going in, in 2023, in your opinion? There's a lot of geopolitics that's at play that we all know about. And it doesn't matter which sector you're in, the impact on supply chain, the impact on access to talent, impact on travel is immense. And organisations are grappling with that. And I think that as marketers, it means we really need to make sure we're doing some brilliant basics around understanding what our offer is to the market, what value we're creating with that, and then really understanding the pain points of our customers and the opportunities they're looking at. So while the economies of the markets that we're all in quite suppressed in most cases, the complexity that companies are dealing with is very real and they need real partners. In the case of professional services and IT services, which is the industry that I'm in, they need real partners to help solve that. So the ways that organisations are partnering, who they choose and how they choose to partner, 
which priorities they put first are very different to five years ago, definitely. They're very different to the time we were in COVID and now we're coming out of, in most markets, COVID, but not all. They're re-looking at which of the things we need to prioritise. So I think all organisations are going through a real focus exercise and what does that mean, who we are, uh, what are the things that maybe we thought were nice to have versus must have, and then the role of marketing in our own organisations is to go through that same process. So absolutely prioritisation, focus on value and focus on who we're targeting and how we connect are the big things that I'm looking at. Interesting. Let's let's unpack. Um, do, do you think we can unpack the? I, I'd love to unpack both of those. The value, like how you how you reapproaching the value component and how you reapproaching the 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 targeting and the segmentation piece. Do you think we can talk a little bit about like how are you approaching value? Sure, sure. And I think value has two elements. So there's value that as an organization, we believe we can bring. And then there's the reality of the value that the end customer needs. And I think the closer we can articulate the value to the end customer, and that sounds simple, but whether it's B2B or B2C, the customers are much more discerning than they used to be. Their size of wallet, while maybe not be totally diminished, but they are being more thoughtful about where they put that spend. And I think what we're all finding is that there are, again, fundamentals that they're spending on that are taking up more money now. So, you know, if you think, if you translate that to the household, it's cost of energy, cost of groceries, uh, so cost of fuel, it's, it's all adding up. So, again, in my area where you look at trying to help organisations manage complex problems, we need to understand what are the things that are non-negotiable for them to achieve, what's the value that's created there, and some of that might be around efficiencies. So if we can help them drive greater efficiency at one level, does that allow more access to funds for them to then put into growth objectives, talent objectives, new product development, new service development? So I think there's a big focus on efficiency across all sectors at the moment, and that looks slightly different. And then it's also, what are the things in our control and how do we think differently about those? So again, if you look at um, consumer goods and retail, there has been a, a huge reliability on China, on shipping routes, on things that were considered stable, and now they're not. And there's been total disruption there. It's much more competitive. And you're seeing companies look for ways to maybe manufacture onshore, maybe look for alternate sources of goods and services. So I think it's all there for us to really address as marketers as well and what's our contribution to some of those decisions. But also... How do we help tell that story of why those decisions are, are impactful and then what they mean for an organisation to be able to continue to deliver on its ambition, you know, whatever that might be. And I think there, there's a lot of room for 
marketers to focus on the geopolitical, the economical, the outside influences that perhaps COVID diminished in some ways because my feeling with COVID was, you know, everyone turned inside because we had to. We had to look after security of staff. We had to look after security of product. There was big internal focus. And I think now there's increased awareness of the pain points that are outside of our control and then a new awareness of what do we have to focus on and in what order do we focus on those things to get most value. I, I, I love that you talk about this. And I mean, I I experienced this yesterday where you, you, you talked about how things are becoming more scarce, size of wallet is reducing. We we have people are looking at the fundamentals a lot more, and that that becomes an efficiency becomes really critical. And and then we talked about supply chain. I had this experience yesterday where I was talking to a marketing leader, and she was like, "Hey, day before yesterday, I woke up and I had eighty five percent of my marketing budget wiped for this quarter." And and I was like, "Wow." 85%. And I was reading an article by Christopher Lockett. I think that the, the, the guy, he wrote the book. He's all about category creation. He had this art and he was saying exactly what you were talking about, where he's like, in recession times, what happens is that there are two buckets created, must haves and nice to haves. And the nice to haves are going are, are gonna to be reduced to bare minimum. And then you talked about value or messaging or whatever it is that you, an organization that is selling, need to think about how do you now you reposition yourself. You change the value that you bring to the table so you fall in the must-have bucket because people are going to spend on must-have. And I love I love that. And I think the, the message for a lot of marketers here is that you have to rethink your messaging and, and take that into, into consideration of like, are you a must-have? Or are you nice to have? Because you're going to be out the door if you're if you're in the 85 percent, you're out. So I, I I love that 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 area of focus that you talked about. Let's talk touch on the segmentation and targeting because that seems like an area that you're you're focusing on as well. It, it is, and again for the same reasons because value isn't ubiquitous. It's usually very personal, and it can be very emotional. So. The, the way to unlock that connection with our customers or our clients is to really understand at a granular level what value means maybe as a, a corporate or value as a team, value as a function, value as an individual. And so we're looking at ways to access different groups within organisations. That's not new to marketing, but also this concept of turning up where they are, and I know that's talked about a lot in marketing, I think is really important. And being relevant, I think this idea of relevance is is really important. Uh, I'm sure like many, I get cold calls, I get cold emails, I get cold outreach on LinkedIn. And it surprises me constantly how ill-informed, unrelevant, the messages are and how persistent people or their MarTech tools are in trying to follow up. And so I think the, you know, the, the other thing around the environment we're in is people have a really short attention span. And so if you're not instantly giving me something that's relevant, usable, referenceable, 
I just don't have time to engage. And it doesn't always have to be academic, high level, you know, well thought through in terms of perfectly designed content and, you know, TikTok's changed all of that. And so there's lots of different channels, but something that's relevant to me is going to create an emotion and is going to create a connection. And I think, you know, it's the it's the access where they are with something relevant that we're playing around with a lot and forms of content, best way to engage. And of course, the MarTech tools and the data are incredibly important with that. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of work with our team around understanding how we extract insights from the things that we're doing versus reams of data that comes through where we assume things. And I'm also trying to encourage teams to, you know, marry data with a bit of qualitative testing, with a bit of gut instinct, with a bit of personalised storytelling, because I do fear that um, if we over-index on data, we're actually going to lose some of that idea of value creation at very emotional levels. So, you know, a lot in that. Um, But I think that the fact that we have access to data is brilliant. I'm not sure I've seen great use of data yet, except yesterday I got my Spotify wrapped and... (laughs) You know, I I just loved it. My whole house sat down at breakfast and we all went through, you know, what we were, um, what category we were in, how many genres we listened to, how many minutes. And it was just such a simple, great use of data and AI and personalization. And of course, relevance, because they played back to me the things I loved. And so, you know, how do, how do you as a marketer, take that little experience or whatever other one that you personally love and think about how how, do, how can that be relevant in some of the things that I'm doing? So that was my yesterday fun day. And it's, it's very interesting that you talk about kind of data. And I, I feel like we're going through this motion where it was like, oh, data is everything. We're going to be data driven and data, 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 data. And now it's like, okay, the data is good, but it's really on its own. The pendulum swung maybe too much on the data side and it lost that element of the creativity and the storytelling and all that stuff it was like, oh no, but the data is telling us to do this and therefore we're going to just optimize this component. And uh, I, I really like that you're talking about kind of balancing that out, bringing the qualitative components in there so that we can infuse more storytelling and all that stuff. Yeah, there. but let's be clear, it's not the data's fault, it's our fault. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need the, the skills to interpret. And I, I listened to something the other day and um, it was uh, an academic talking about data. And she said, you know, because there's this whole concept about being data driven. And her argument was we actually should be data informed, not data driven. And I, I thought that was a lovely reframing to help add some of those other elements that you need to be able to really qualify the data that's in there and then be able to turn that into something that can be represented in your business. Yeah, very true. Data informed. I think we had uh, we had someone on the podcast talk about that as exactly recently as well. So uh, I, I love that. You talked about skills and I want to touch on this as well. What are some of the skills that you 
are really looking for, or there might be people who have those in the organization and you value them massively. And you're like, these are very critical skills. Either you're looking to acquire those for the existing team members, bringing new team members with that skills, or there are skills that people have that you're like, this is very critical for our success going forward. What what, what comes to mind? Yeah, the top thing I'm grappling with at the moment is campaign management. And I think there's so many different definitions around what is a campaign, how does, you know, how does it get put together? And for me, the skill of being able to identify an opportunity, to be able to build an integrated framework around how we attack that opportunity and bring diverse teams together to work on that collectively, to be able to get it to market, to be able to measure it, to be able to continuously improve around the information we get back, and then being able to really talk to the impact of the campaign in a way that makes sense, not just within marketing, but across the organisation, is a real skill. And I think there are some great pockets of those skills around, but the the ability to run a campaign, I think, is one that needs to be focused on a little bit more. And I'm talking from an in-house point of view. And so when you're in-house, running a campaign means you need to draw agencies in. You might need to be, you know, working with partners or alliances or there's a whole ecosystem in there. But managing that in an integrated way that gets results is a real skill that I haven't seen as much as I would like across the marketplace. And I think it's it's difficult, right, because you need to be able to bring people together for a common goal and to be able to clearly articulate back to the audience, the value, the brief that you're creating and what you're trying to do. And I see a lot of good individual activities in markets, sort of one-off releases of something or a launch or an event, but that's not a campaign as such. So I think that's where there's real opportunity And again, if we go back to the focusing on some brilliant basics and some fundamentals around prioritization, around relevance, around value, to me, the campaign management role is where that all comes together. That's an interesting observation. Uh, I think we, and we talked about at our own agency and the work that we're doing, that became really clear very fast where we had we would have clients come in, we had like one person allocated to them. And then after a while, we're like, these campaigns are complex. And there's just so many moving parts in here that it doesn't work. It's not it's not as simple as that. And we had to introduce the, a second person who's, who, who their job is just like you said, they're just there, they're a campaign delivery manager. And they're going to make sure the timelines are right. Everything kind of coordinates with one another. They flow well. And boy, it is, it's a lot of details. And I, it, 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 my brain blows up when I look at all that, all that detail. And I completely understand the, the challenges because we went through that and it was, it was very painful before we kind of introduced that, that, that role. Very interesting. Very interesting. I, I mean, a lot of people talk, come and talk about, oh, we need to look at SEO. Oh, we need to like bring a, a very tactical 
skills are are mainly talked about but you you're you're focusing on that holistic picture someone who, who's able to bring all that together um and i think that is a more challenging skill to develop because there's no i'm going to go do an seo course and i'm going to be ready for it that's right and i think it also points to some of the bigger questions again around marketing pathways and how do we give people experience in in multiple areas so that we you know we we do need expertise we also need people who have the ability to sit across multiple silos within the marketing mix and be able to elevate and move into those sort of leadership roles and I think the ability to bring people in as grads to do more job rotation to do more inside out job swapping is is really important and I think that that then allows people to find where they might get their energy from areas they're more interested in that they might not have thought of but also gives them the craft skills to be much more transferable and move into some of those leadership positions So I think that's really important. The other thing with talent that I'm spending a lot of time on is around what is the right functional organisation for marketing and communications today? You know, we've all been through a lot of change over the last few years. We're not going to go back to any sort of pre-COVID situation. So I'm spending a lot of time, what is our fit for purpose future model of marketing? So what are the skills? What are the, what's the structure we need to be able to support where the business is going? How do we bring that together so that we don't sit in silos and we're able to work efficiently and effectively across the organisation? And then what are the pathways for development as marketers? And I think there's a lot of work, and I'd love to hear from other CMOs about the the functional model of marketing post COVID, because I think that's a, a you know a big big topic. I love that you bring that up, and I was I was speaking to a CMO the other day that they you know a lot of people talk about sales and marketing alignment, and they have taken this model to another level where. They've created these these pods, and the pod is, it it consists of a series of talent, but it's all the pod also has both sales and marketing within it. So they have the and and it blew my mind. Like when they were talking about it, I was like, "Geez, that like that sounds crazy." Where there is an AE in the team, there is a BDR in the team, there is a demand gen person in the team. There might different pods might be different. There might be a channel person in the team, and they have these pods at the and they the the pod shares one objective or two objectives. Now they might report like the demand gen person. There might be a central demand gen person that they would report to, but the marketing and sales kind of kind of came together and they said, Hey, let's create these pods that they're all like one team. It's not like the demand gen team is doing something with sales and the field team is doing something else. We haven't recorded that podcast yet. I am super looking forward to, um, to, hearing more about how they've done it and uh what they've uh, they've rolled out but um i i think it's you, you're you're bang on where there's a lot of challenges with creating silos um especially with COVID. it it's so easy for you to just be in your own silo have a little bit of touch base versus before that maybe you would rock up to somebody's desk maybe 
they would sit next to you or at least in the same room and you you maybe overhear things you ask questions really easily so that is um that is a very interesting area to tackle going back to you talked about with regards to the first skill where it's um the, the campaign management thing why do you think do you think that one of the reasons that we're ha- you're in general, it's hard to find that kind of talent is because of the the move to specialization from marketing, where it's everybody's like now a demand person or it's a marketing ops person or it's that that extreme specialization. Or you think there is another reason for what we're seeing? It's, it's hard to find those generalists who can have a great umbrella over everything and run a full fledged campaign. What are your thoughts on that? probably a little bit of both. I know there's lots of great discussion around is the optimum marketing pathway, is it a T, is it an I, you know, do you do general things first and then specialise and then go more broadly? Do you start off specialising and then branch out? And I think it's probably different in in different organisations and for different people. So personally, I'm a big believer in having a core skill that is your secret source. So, and that can be the thing that you love and are passionate about within marketing. For me, it's communication and storytelling. That's, you know, that's the part of the mix that I love. And that's sort of where I go back to when I start thinking about things. For others, it might be data. It might be the the crunching of the numbers and the understanding of how that plays into what we do next. For others, it can be channel. It can be, you know, I'm an expert in understanding which channel for which piece of content to target which audience. And that's all great. What I see happen, though, sometimes is that people develop a career in that to a point that it's either difficult for them personally to have the confidence to step more broadly and look across, or they are so far in one direction that they're not considered for other roles because they're too specialised. So, you know, it is a mix. I think you do need some sort of specialisation, but it comes back to when do you pull the trigger and, and make people uncomfortable as a leader to offer new opportunities. And that's why things like job rotation, things like the pod that you just mentioned are a great idea because you get to see how other people work and what they bring to it and you get some more diversity to challenge. So specialisation is important. It's not the only thing. And then I think there is a real opportunity for what is leadership, not just within marketing but across business. So what are the what are the skills and attributes and knowledge areas you have to know to be a leader? Because you're not going to step from a specialization into a CMO role because you need to be able to bring a level of leadership and understanding that is broader than that. And so I always challenge people if they're comfortable in a certain specialty think about how that specialty will give you an advantage when you move into the next thing so continue to draw on that specialty 
but add something new to it. And how do you continue to do that? So you're at a point where you don't need to be able to do everybody's job. I'm not a believer in every leader needs to be able to do every job of the team that they lead, but you need to have an understanding and an appreciation of what good looks like, what you expect from your talent and how to stitch that together. And that only comes from having that broader base of information and knowledge. Got it. I love that. And that's that's definitely another advice for for listeners of like thinking about diversifying your team's capability. Okay. Next thing I want to talk about, and we've touched on this a little bit here and there, is the approach to -to face-to-face. And I think in my humble opinion, I feel like we maybe went a bit crazy with events towards the second half of, uh, of 2022. I was like, whenever I speak to a marketing leader, there was an event, there was a big event every two weeks. But what are your thoughts in terms of, in terms of face-to-face interactions in 2023? It's an interesting one. I think there is a craving for people to get together. So in what form? I think there's a lot more intimacy that people are, are looking for. So my view is that some of those big events will obviously continue. There will be more space for intimacy So whether that's um, within a network of like-minded skills, whether that's in a network of like-minded industry or, you know, interest groups, whatever that might be, I think there's people are looking for, in my view, an opportunity to create a cohort versus attend something and then go back to the organisation. So how do we as marketers create an environment that it's, you know, back to this sort of campaign idea, right? It's not just a one-off activity. How do you stitch together relationships, not just with your organisation and your targets, but amongst that target group themselves that will be ongoing and give them an opportunity to get ideas, share experiences with other people? Because most people are working in a hybrid situation they're not getting that necessarily from work anymore so those intimate outside networks I think will be very important as we continue in this sort of post-covid world and and it's interesting because my remit is uh, all of Asia Pacific and you know I talk to my colleagues in China and it's a very different discussion around what the future of access, events starts to look like and and how do you plan around that so again it's very different in each market but fundamentally there is still I believe a space for intimacy versus large thousand people on a show floor interesting interesting okay yes something for people to keep in mind yeah that those more intimate roundtables versus 200 people in a webinar or even or even you know couple of hundred people at an event. Okay. The last area that I want to touch on is I want to also hear what your thoughts are when it comes to partnership, right? And where do you see that coming into the equation going forward? Do you think um, from a channel and a partnership perspective, are you working on kind of building that even further? Do you think you, you know, are you moving away uh, a little bit from that? What are your thoughts on the, on, on the partnership um, and, and channel approach? I think partnerships are going to become even more important and 
the way that we address some of the opportunities in marketing can't be done, my view is, by one company or or one in-house function. And that comes down to back to some of the ideas around campaign management, back to some of the ideas around diversity. We need to bring people together and think about what are the things that need to be done in-house? Where can we get either greater value, greater innovation, greater efficiency by broadening that network? And there's an area of complexity to that that I'm still working through. Um, We're still working through as a marketing team within Capgemini. And that will become even more important because of all the reasons we talked about around looking for efficiencies, looking to focus, what are the things that we're actually really going to do. And it also comes down to each partner knowing their role within whatever we're creating. Because I also feel I work a lot with different agencies and sometimes the relationship works really well based on, you know, a solid understanding of expectations, you know, good communication, all those things that make a partnership work well. I also see examples of where in-house marketing departments might not be the best clients to their partners insofar as there's not clear expectation setting, there's no clear briefs, it's a transactional model. And I think that's the crux of it. Whether you're in-house or whether you're forming a, a partnership to deliver something, it's pretty demotivating if your approach to marketing is very transactional, ticket service oriented. You know, I need a video, I need an event, I need an ad on LinkedIn. Nobody wants to work in that environment is my experience because you want to be able to showcase some of your own insights and experience and you you know understanding the strategy understanding what you're trying to achieve and giving people space whether they're in-house or external to come together and solve for that I think is the most exciting thing and that's where I see teams get a lot of energy rather than a really prescriptive that's what I need you go and deliver that and then you know someone else will do this bit or someone else will do that bit so you know, it comes back to lots of things we've been talking around, around understanding how to bring complexity together, diversity together, to create something that's simple, focused and delivers impact, I think is the sort of nirvana of how partnerships should be able to work. Nirvana of partnership. I love that. That that kind of, I think that brings everything for, full circle on this topic and it, and it touches on so many different things that we talked about in 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 the past uh, couple of 30 minutes or 40 minutes have you read the state of abm and apac report yet if you have you'll know that 59 percent of marketing leaders are intending to increase their abm investment in the coming year even bigger news is zero percent of survey respondents are going to decrease their investment it's an exciting time for abm in the region discover the state of account-based marketing in apac today download the full report at abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. That's abm.xgrowth.com.au forward slash report. Tracy, I want to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions before we wrap up. Oh dear. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So first one is what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is 
that had had a fundamental and, and massive impact on the way that you work or, or, or live? Without a doubt, it's Brene Brown. Books, podcasts, videos, I'm, I'm a fan. I love it. I love it. She has great content out there. So that's a, that's a great example. Okay. Question two is if you could give only one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be? Understand your audience. That is a, that is a solid one. And that, that ties into the segmentation it talks about the value. It, I just, I think it brings everything full circle. Okay. Question number three, who are some of the influencers that you follow? Well, I, I guess I'm not big at following, but I'm good at dipping in and out. And I have three teenage sons, so I have a diverse group of TikTok influencers. (laughs) I'm fascinated with, dare I say, Elon Musk and Donald Trump, not because I necessarily support what they're doing, but because I think they're masters of manipulation of story and media. So it's, it's all over the place. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a good answer. I'll take that. I take that. Last question. Last question is I have is what is something that excites you about B2B today? The untapped potential to really embed marketing into the growth engine of B2B. And that, yeah, and that is still an untapped kind of area. I mean, there's, there's certain areas that have definitely been tapped, but you, I, I feel like you're, you're right where there's still a lot of potential there. Tracy, this has been an awesome conversation. And I just want to say thank you so much for your time and all the insights and all the information. I think most most definitely a lot of our listeners, just like me, would be enjoying listening to this chat. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Shaheen. Take care. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make this show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just interested in a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.